the sermon today is different from the one that I had advertised earlier, uh, and our text is different as well. We have two texts. I'm going to read one, the first one, from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. And in this passage, he, he addresses the fact that the world is a very messed up place. He writes this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Today we acknowledge the bad news and the good news that our faith offers. There is at the center of reality a groan. It's not the kind of groan that you make when you're lifting weights at the gym. It's not the kind of groan that you utter when you first approach a sink full of dirty dishes. It's not the kind of groan you get from students when they get their first look at the final exam questions. It's a deeper groan. It's not even the groan that we involuntarily utter when we find ourselves inarticulate before the inexplicable beauty or awesomeness. We've all known that. You've known it. You've been surprised by that. All of us know that there are things that we can shout easily enough. There are some things we can only whisper. And there are things that we can hardly say at all. We draw our breath in pain to say them. They are so profoundly important that we cannot go chattering along anymore. You have known that. Sometimes when you've prepared your words for some occasion, a eulogy at a friend's memorial service, or a speech, a toast at your daughter's wedding, and then suddenly you realize what those words really said and meant, and you were overwhelmed by your own message, and your words moved into a groan then into silence. I didn't know about the groan in my early days of ministry. I thought I was supposed to be able to talk about any text, however difficult, and explain it clearly and simply to people. But I've learned that there are some things that cannot be explained. They can only be experienced. Fred Craddock has written eloquently about the groan. Recalls many years ago when he was a young professor in Oklahoma. The 
newspaper from his little town carried an article every Friday by a local Native American woman named Molly Shepard. She was an Arapaho Cheyenne, well along in years. She wrote with broken English, but, but beautifully. She wrote stories about the events that happened on the reservation, the funerals, the weddings, the blanket parties, all sorts of things. And Fred Craddock, a professor and student of language, enjoyed the interesting way that she employed language. He sometimes cut out the articles and saved them. He said, I recalled her article on the Friday following the assassination of President John Kennedy. Her article was the briefest he had read, the briefest he had ever read, very few sentences. The article said, Molly has no article today. Molly has no words today. Molly cannot speak today. Molly goes through the house saying, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know the groan. You heard it on 9-11 when you first saw the images of the planes crashing into the buildings and the buildings collapsing. But I'm thinking of an even deeper groan than that. The groan that Paul speaks of in this text, he says, all creation groans. So deep is that groan, you can't hear it, but you know it's there. Ever since Genesis 3, where the crash of all the good that God had created because of the sin of man and woman, the Bible says that all creation fell and became subject to futility and decay. Thorns and thistles, cursed is the ground for your sake. And so it all began. Futility, frustration, conflict, scared and hurt. It doesn't show all the time. Creation lots of times is gentle and quiet, comfortable as anything. In the spring of the year when the meadows are turning somersaults to joy and the world is a poem of light and color, you, you think, where is the frustration? And the decay and the futility, it's not there. But then the harmony between human beings and nature ends. And nature throws a fit. Sometimes the fit is called a hurricane. Sometimes a tornado. A tsunami. Or a pandemic. She bleats out and destroys her own lovely landscapes. Destroys her fellow creatures hurts everything in sight, and then grows calm again. I saw this in Miami when I lived during Hurricane Andrew. We, after the hurricane, we forgave nature for the fit it threw. We rebuilt the houses, we planted the trees, buried the dead. But you always wonder, when will it happen again? When will it come? When will the earthquake be here? There is the groan, and Paul wants, says that we groan too. The children of God groan. After all, we are creatures. We're a part of creation. We groan too, vulnerable to everything that comes our way. We find ourselves so vulnerable to a little virus that is so small that it can only be seen through a microscope. That is the truth of our world today, and we are all groaning because of it. So where is the good news? The 
good news comes to us from our faith. And I want to read to you the words of Psalm 23 that is on the back wall of our church. We say it every time we have communion. And these words from our faith are beautiful words of comfort. I would like you to listen to them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And from the letter of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Many of us have walked through a lot of valleys in our life. Some of you have walked through the valley called cancer. Some of you have walked through the valley of losing your spouse or a loved one or child. Some of you have walked through the valley of unemployment. Some the valley of addiction. And, this, and now we walk through the valley called pandemic. Thus it is very important for us to remember these words which come to us from Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley... I will fear no evil. The writer Houston Smith said, Christianity offers the solution for the two greatest themes of human happiness, guilt and fear. Grace cures guilt, and the promise of resurrection and ultimate triumph cures fear. The scripture today has the cure for conquering fear, and that is, remembering that the Lord is your shepherd. What the psalm is saying is that if the Lord is your shepherd and you are his sheep, you will not want for courage, even though you have to go through the most difficult places in life. There used to be a bumper sticker you would occasionally see on cars that said, no fear. I think it was put out by a skiing company or a skateboard company, but it's a good motto for Christians. Because of our relationship with God, we don't allow fear to paralyze us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because we believe that God is with us. No, God never promised to deliver us from the difficulties of life, from illness, from car accidents, or from earthquakes. But in all of this, God promises his presence in our life. And that presence makes all the difference. It is God's companionship that transforms every situation. It doesn't mean that there are no dark valleys, no enemies. 
but that they are not capable of ultimate hurt. Psalm 23 knows that there is evil in the world, and it knows also that evil is not to be feared. The Apostles' Creed, it says that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell and was raised from the dead. We don't talk about that one little phrase very much, descended into hell. We don't, we don't really explore it too much. But it says that whatever hell you experience, whatever, whatever it is, that Christ goes even into that hell with you, to be with you, to comfort you, to say that I am with you. The words fear not occur 365 times in the Bible. It's the central message of God to human beings. Don't allow fear to drive you to panic or paralyze you. There's nothing scary as scared people. And so God wants us to, to understand his promise to be there. A woman bent over the hospital bed of her beloved husband of 55 years. He was near the end of his life. He struggled to speak. He said, yay, yay. She, she thought, I must not fail him. What is he trying to say to me? And then it became clear as his dry lips formed the words, yay, though I valley of the shadow of death. He was restating his faith, the faith that had gotten him through his entire life. His words the word, were the words of God to you this morning. You shall fear no evil, for the Lord shall be with you. His rod and his staff will comfort you. The same word that was spoken at the birth of Jesus by the angels is spoken to you this day. Fear not.